wrong with being a little bit different, I think. I don't think there's anything wrong with being different today. I, I know that we have our offering to take up. We're going to do that at the end of service today. Um, but I do have a couple of announcements that I want to uh, bring to you, bring your way. And, uh, whew, man, I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is strong in this place right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. I'll tell you that for me. If, I, if Austin Hopper's not dead, then you're not done. God said, though, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Hallelujah. i got to get to announcements right now. i got to tell you some announcements. This is my testimony, not the announcement, but hallelujah. I, I feel the Spirit of the Lord upon me right now. Come on, God, let me get to the announcements. Lead me into those. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, what a great time, obviously, we are already having in this service today. And uh, welcome again to those of you that were not with us last week. Welcome back to the new year. And those that are joining us online, thank you for joining us today. We welcome you and, of course, all of our guests that are in the house. We welcome you today. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. A lot of times people, um, people choose a church just based off of different things, friendships and personalities and the music or the speaking or different things like that. And sometimes um, not every church is for every person. Every church is different. Every church has different qualities. And I want to say thank you for choosing to worship with us today. And uh, I know we, we're a little bit different in some things. Your pastor is really different, um, really, really different from most pastors. Um, but thank you so much for being with us in service today. Uh, just to, as a reminder, our normal uh, weekly schedule after service today, the food bank will be open. And uh, thankful for that ministry that we have. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes in my, my sermon today. Um, but that will be open from noon to 2. And uh, if you uh, don't know where to go, and you, you can either go get there through the, the hallway over here through the gymnasium, or you can go out the main doors and directly to the left to the corner of the building. Uh, for those of you watching online, uh, you have time to get here. Uh, it's only about 1030, so you have time to get here, get your phone in your car, be safe while you're driving if you're watching us. Uh, but you have time to get here for that. And then tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, our prayer meetings. I'm thankful for our prayer group. And, uh, and I say it every week, if you ever have a need, our prayer group is on standby 24-7. And they are ready to pray. And, and I'm thankful for our prayer group. They don't pray in just side the walls of this house. They don't pray for just the needs inside of, of this house. This is a worldwide prayer group. This is a worldwide prayer group. I'm thankful that we hear needs. We get needs from all over the world. And uh, Sister Kathy brings us needs from World Network of Prayer. And I, I thank you for that, Sister Kathy. And um, many people in the prayer group have contacts outside of this church. And, and it's just constantly a, a, a prayer chain going on. And, and you are being prayed for every day. I want to tell you that. Whether you know it or not, you are being prayed for every day. This church is being prayed for. And I'm thankful for our prayer group. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we are changing our format um, of our Wednesday nights. We will not have, be having Wednesday for the rest of January, and it's a bit of a change. But in February, we are going to be starting small groups. 
in February. We already have some small group leaders in place ready to take on this role. And uh, for those of you that I've talked to already, we'll be meeting in a couple weeks to finalize all those plans. We're still, I'm still looking to open a couple more small groups. Um, but we want everybody to get connected into a small group or into a life group or a connect group. It, everybody has different names for what it is. But we want you to connect in these groups. And uh, some of these groups will meet weekly. Some will meet on Wednesday. We will have a small group here on Wednesdays uh, that will meet. And so if that's part of your normal routine and you want to be in here at the church on Wednesdays, starting in February, we will have a small group that will meet here on Wednesdays. But we will have some that maybe meet. Uh, they'll meet for coffee somewhere or meet for breakfast or they'll meet uh, uh, on a nighttime. Some will be weekly, biweekly. Just some different things going on. And I'm going to speak to you about that in, in probably about two or three weeks. Um, and we want to get everybody signed up for a group. And uh, in these groups, they're, like I said, they're small groups. It'll be maybe three, four, five families at the most. Um, but it's going to be a good thing for us to connect and uh, connect with each other. And, and it's going to build strong relationships. Now, these small groups are not for us four and no more. These small groups are going to be intended for us to reach into our community. Because somebody may not feel comfortable coming right to church on a Sunday and as their first time being around, uh, around church people. But we can bring them into our home and have dinner with them. And we can talk about the Lord and we can talk about His goodness and His greatness. And, and very soon you will start to see people coming into to small groups. And we've done this, I've done this before. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, I've had times in, in small groups where we've had people that have been to small groups that have never stepped in, never stepped foot into the door of a church, but they are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They give in their tithes, they give in their offerings. Any time that there's a work day, they're there. But for some odd reason, one or another, they just can't darken the doors on a Sunday. But they're faithful at small group, they're faithful in everything. And I believe that we'll see that. And we pray that everybody will come together for fellowship. Um, but we will see that uh, very soon, and we will be starting those in February. So I'll be giving you more information about that over the next several weeks. And, um, and, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time, a great, great time. And, of course, next Sunday we'll be back together here worshiping the Lord. Looking forward to a great Sunday. Now today I want to, um, we're going to be taking our offering towards the end of service today or at the end of service today because I want to speak to you um, uh, basically about what some people would say is the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about but it's there and it's our giving. And as your pastor I am mandated to talk to you about giving. And some of you I know you just turned your ears off and you're waiting for a moment to slip out the back door to go to the bathroom and then you know slip out the back back door and, and head home because you don't want to hear it. Some people on live stream have probably turned it off because nobody wants to talk about giving because the church is all about money. Right? The church is not all about money. It takes money to run the church, but we're not about money. And, and I'm not speaking about this today. What's so funny is I, I was going to speak about this. I've, in December, I kind of planned what I'm going to be speaking about. And, uh, and each week I just pray, God, if this is still what you, what you want me to speak about, confirm it. And this week I received an email, and I won't read the whole email, but part of the email said that this church's purpose used to be helping the community and giving back. And I haven't responded to the email yet. I've, I've been out of the office this week, but I, I read the email. And, and if, if you who sent the email are watching today, I want to tell you that that is still the purpose of this church, is community and giving back. And I am proud of this church and what we have gave 
to missions and what we've done in, in giving throughout the world and throughout our community. And I'm going to talk about that today a little bit. Uh, but Malachi chapter 3, the Bible tells us in verse number 1, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version today, Behold, I am going to send my messenger. This is the Lord talking. And he will prepare and clear the way before me. And the Lord, the Messiah, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap, which removes impurities and uncleanness. He will sit as a refiner of purify of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, the priest, and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in ancient years. Then I will come near you for judgment, and I will be swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, and against those who oppress the labor and his wages, and widows of the fatherless, and against those who turn away the alien from his right, and those who do not fear me with awe-filled reverence, says the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I do not change. I'll pause here for just a minute and I'm going to teach to you today. I'm not going to get super... I know last week I preached and somebody after church, they said, Boy, Pastor, I could tell you've been resting because you brought the fire today. I'm, I'm going to try to bring the fire today, but not in such a forceful way. I just want to teach today. But for I am the Lord, I do not change. If you ever wake up in the morning and you don't know how your day is going to go because you know that it's just set to be bad and set to be horrible... For I am the Lord. I do not change. If he did it before for you, he will do it again. If he promised you blessings, he's going to provide the blessings. If he's given you a car, he's going to make sure that you have what you need. If he's given you a home, he's going to take care. He does not change. And he tells Jacob, he sa or tells the sons of Jacob, he says, This is why you are not consumed. Or another version says, This is why you have not come to an end. From the days of your father you have turned away from my statutes and ordinances and have not kept them. But return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But the sons of, of Jacob said, well, how shall we return? And he said, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You defraud me. You say, in what way do we rob or defraud you? And the Lord said, you have withheld your tithes and your offerings. He said, you are cursed with the curse for you are robbing me, this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in mine house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Then I will rebuke the, de the devourer, the insects, the plagues for your sake. And he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before the harvest, says the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you happy and blessed. When you give, people will see how you are happy and you are blessed. For you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord's plan of church finance is a simple one. By the faithful tithes and offerings of his people, the work can be and is to be supported. His simple plan is for his people to give a minimum of a tithe to support his work. 
The fact that Jesus stood by the treasury of the temple that we can read about in Mark chapter 12, he watched his people put in their money indicates that he is interested in what people give and how they gave it. The subject of money, though, within the church is a touchy one for some people, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be touchy. It shouldn't be a fear of your pastor to get up and talk about tithing and talk about giving. It shouldn't be a fear for us to hear about it. We should be eager to know what God's method for our giving and and be eager to obey God in this area. God has given us so many wonderful promises which depend on our obedience in this area. And as we become obedient to God in our giving, we will begin to see His blessings for our material needs in a wonderful way. And anyone who is serious about following the Lord must take this seriously. And so this is a fresh new year. And while I'm, while I'm on talking about the new year, for those of you that would like your giving statement from last year, please uh, let myself, Sister Hopper, know we will get those to you. Uh, we're not printing them all out for everybody unless you ask for it. We will email it, print it for you, whatever you need. But this is a new year. Last week I talked about it's a new season. And so today I want to talk to you about faith, finances, and a fresh start. It's a fresh start for you. Now I want to start today by telling you three reasons why some people do not give. The first reason is that they have never been taught to tithe or to give. Because of the way that some people react, many preachers will never approach this subject. But I do not do you any favors by neglecting this teaching. If I neglect this teaching, I am robbing you of blessings. I am robbing some of you from becoming millionaires. And some of you say, millionaires, pastor, you have a dream. When you're faithful, God will be faithful to you. Being a millionaire is not out of reach. It is possible. It's a lot of faith, but it is possible. The second reason is that people, that people do not tithe or give is that they misunderstand the place of giving in the Bible. Some people don't think that it's for today. They say, well, it's Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. It's just Old Testament law. But this is a misunderstanding of the principle of tithing and giving as God's plan. The third reason that people do not tithe is simply just because they refuse to. Bless God, I ain't giving nothing to that preacher. Well, you ain't giving it to me. You're giving it to the church. Bless God, I ain't giving nothing to that church. Why not? Because. Okay. Do you have the rest of a sentence? Because because is not the end of a sentence. How many of you, when you ask your kid, why did you do that? And they go, because. Or because. Because why? I don't, because. Am I the only one? And I'm waiting because, comma, finish the sentence. Some people don't give because they just refuse to. No matter what you say or what God says. And many people are living living lives filled with tragic tragic events and events which cause them not only to suffer financially but also emotionally they're suffering because as christians they refuse to give god his due they refuse to give god his tithe they in words of our text today have been cursed with a curse so what should we give in our finances in our faith and our fresh start what should we give Well, there's three main areas that we give. Number one is our tithe. Number two is our offerings. And number three is our alms. 
A-L-M-S, alms. You've heard alms for the poor. Remember those, old, you know, Disney cartoons. I remember Robin Hood, you know, with the fox and the bear, you know. Alms for the poor. Alms for, nobody ever saw Disney Robin Hood back in the day? Come on, Derek, you know what I'm talking about. My kids saw that and they go, what are alms? What is, is he asking for arms? No, they don't want you to take your arms off and throw them. No, alms, this is what, and we'll talk about this in a minute. Tithing, let's get back. I really am the pastor. I'm an idiot sometimes, I'm sorry. But, but right now, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm biblical. I'm under, I'm under a spiritual authority right now. The beginning point of Christian stewardship is the tithe. And some may say, well, that's a law, pastor. That's Old Testament law, and we're free from the law. This is a misunderstanding of both the law and the tithe in relation to the law. Tithing didn't originate from the law. It didn't originate in the Ten Commandments. It didn't originate with Moses. Tithing precedes the laws of Moses. And, and we will see it was neither instituted by law or it wasn't terminated by grace when God died on the cross for us. Tithing goes back as far as the Garden of Eden. And Abel may have been the first tither that we read about. He offered his first fruits to the Lord. And this principle of first fruits is one which is important in Scripture because all of the first fruits belong to the Lord. Many of you, when you give, I, I will, will, will see on, your, on either your check or on an envelope that you get from the foyer and you fill out your envelope, many of you will write first fruits. Well, what is my first fruits, Pastor? And, 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 and this isn't something that's required. This is something that Abel did. Your first fruits is when you take the first part of your day, that whatever you make in that first hour of your work week, you set that aside for the Lord. That's your first fruits. So if you make $12 an hour, that first hour of the day, you take that $12 and you set it aside for the Lord. Abel took his first fruits, not his leftovers, and he gave it to the Lord. Our tithes should be the first of our income and not whatever is left over. Whether Abel was the first to tithe or, or whatever it was, we can look at Abraham and we can know that Abraham tithed. He is the biblical example of tithing. In Genesis 14, we see the story of Abraham paying his tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham had rescued his nephew Lot from the kings who had captured him. And he, Abraham had plundered these kings and he returned victoriously. And out of the blue comes Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of the Most High God. And he brought him bread and wine and he blessed him. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. But then Abraham turned and he gave him a tithe of everything that he had. Genesis 14 and 20 will tell us that. And what Abraham did was to give gratefully and voluntarily and systematically. He did it 430 years before law was ever given to Moses. This required care on Abraham's part because the Bible says that Abraham gave a tithe of everything he owned. He had to do some addition. He had to do some subtraction and, and maybe even some multiplication and calculate what a tenth of all of his income was. Because that is what a tithe is. It's a tenth of your income. And some people believe that to tithe simply just means to give a little bit here and there. And that is incorrect. The word tithe actually means a tenth. It is a precise mathematical term. And the Lord asks us to give him a tenth of all of our income. Abraham gave a tenth. And to do so, he gave carefully. Now when you give, I want you to think about this. Do you give carefully to the Lord? Have you looked at your income and your tithing records to be sure that you are giving at least a tenth? And somebody right now is thinking in your head, Pastor, that's legalistic. 
Well, I want to I say it's not legalistic, it's biblical. If your paycheck was $20 short this coming week and you went to your employer and you said, Hey boss, my check is $20 short. And he goes, Oh, don't be so legalistic, it's just $20. No, there's some, about to be some words and some fists flying, aren't there? Give me my money. Somebody said, it's my money and I need it now. Yeah, some of y'all know, y'all seen that. I got to be careful with what I give to the Lord. I got to be careful of, uh, of looking at, am I giving enough? Am I giving the right amount? Well, tithing is an Old Testament word, Pastor. Well, there's a lot of other key words that are in the Old Testament too, like faith, atonement, redemption, righteousness sin, and many more. And they all have their origin in the Old Testament, but not in the law. Neither does tithing. Melchizedek, according to Hebrews chapter 7, is a figure of Christ. And Abraham is the forerunner of all those who trust Christ by faith, according to Romans 4.11. The symbolism of the man Abraham, a picture of the believer, pays his tithes to Melchizedek, which is a picture of Christ. And we see that the tithe was now established before the law was ever given. And we've seen Jesus himself affirm the tithe. And you find this systematic giving continued on in the life of the early church. Paul, in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians, echoes the words of Malachi in 16 and 2. He says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. So here we see reference to proportionate giving as God has prospered him. And the NIV says that he was in keeping with his income. We're talking about Abraham now. So what is keeping with everyone's income? It's the same percentage for all. It's not that everybody gives the same amount. It's that everyone gives the same percentage. The real issue is, well, what do we give to Jesus? Do we give a net or off of our gross? Well... That's between you and God. I could tell you what pastor does. Pastor gives throughout the year off of his net. And then when tax season comes around, he gives off of his tax. So there all throughout the whole year, it's off of the gross. The tithe is only the beginning place, though, of giving. It's the only beginning place of Christian stewardship. It's not the ending. In addition to tithes, there's offerings, which are gifts over and above tithes. Some can give much more than a tithe because you're able to do so. We are to give as we have been prospered, Paul tells us. And then we're reminded in Luke chapter 12 and 48 that to whom much has been given, much is required. We should seek to grow in the grace of giving just as we seek to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. That's our tithing. We also have our offering that we give. Offerings are mentioned 724 times in the Bible. Tithes or tithe is mentioned only 38 times. So if offering is mentioned 686 times more than tithes, then why are we so many times more faithful to give a tithe than not an offering? For every one time that tithe is mentioned, there's 19 times that an offering is mentioned. Exodus chapter 30 tells us that this is what everyone who is counted shall give. As he joins those who are already counted, and this is the Lord speaking to Moses. He says, a half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel. A half shekel is contribution to the Lord. Everyone who is counted from 20 years old and over, as he joins those already counted, 
shall give a contribution to the Lord. So this is where we see, some of you say, well, I heard offering pastor was 5% of my giving and tithing was 10. This is where he says the half shekel. So a shekel is your tithing, a half shekel is your offering. And, and you, you don't have to give the 5%, you can give more, you can give, but we are commanded to give an offering as well. Everyone who is counted from 20 years and older shall give the contribution to the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give this contribution to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, you shall take the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting so that it may be memorial for the Israelites before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So tithing was commanded to be given by God, but an offering was given from the heart. The offerings were given to the work of the church. We know that tithing preceded the law, but it was established as a practice in Leviticus. And all of the tithe in the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. I'm not losing anybody, am I? You see, the tithe was given to the Levites. They were the keepers of the temple. They took care of the church. The Levites did not work outside jobs of the temple. They received their wages from the tithe. And tithes did not build the temple. Tithe was used for the priests and the Levites who managed the temple. The people gave freely from their abundance an offering for the tabernacle to build the temple. Offerings were meant to be used for the upkeep of the temple and the tithing for the ministers of the temple. And this was given from their abundance. And we live in a day now where we have put ourselves in a place when we are so in debt that we cannot freely give to God because we don't have an abundance. This is our offering giving. It's to help the church. Our alms is the third type of giving. The alms are not tithes. They're not offerings. This is what we can give to others, to other people who are in need. This is something we should do, but it has to come after tithes and offerings. Hurricane victims, people who have lost their jobs, people that have had deaths in their families, have added expense or, or some other unfortunate event in their life. This is alms. So now I want to ask you, why, why should we give? Why do we give? Number one, we need to give because God is the owner of all that we possess. We have everything that we have because God allowed us to have it. The Bible says he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives us blessings and if we don't use it right, he'll take them away. But we'll still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Why do we say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Because sometimes he'll give us what we need. He'll take away what we don't need. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Our life, our health, our spouse, our, our children, all of our material and monetary blessings are from him. So when we give to God, we are acknowledging his ownership and leadership and lordship over our lives in every area of our lives. This was the idea of bringing the first fruits of the Old Testament times. By giving God the first of all of our increase, we declare that He is Lord over it all. We are accountable to God. This is the second reason. So the first is that we acknowledge that He has complete ownership over us. The second reason that we should give is because we are accountable to God for how we use the material possessions that He has entrusted to our care. One thing that I have learned and my wife and I, we have learned in our marriage and in our giving is that God has never given us something that we were not ready to take care of. 
Many times we pray for a car, we pray for a home, we pray for a new job, but we're really not ready to take care of that new car or that new home or that new job. We think, oh man, I wish I had their job. They make tons of money. I wish I had that job. You may not be experienced for that job. And you get into that job and you find out that you're not experienced. I'm ready for a brand new car. Do you take care of the car you have now? Why does God, why is God going to bless you with a new car if you're not taking care of the one you have now? It may be, let me tell you about my first car, y'all. This is, this is God's great sense of humor. When I was 15 years old, I was getting my, my permit, I was getting my learner's permit, all that stuff to drive, and I prayed. My buddy over here, uh, we'll, we'll call him Bobby, because that was his name. Bobby over here, Bobby said, man, I tell you what, I'm getting, uh, and I forget what it was. It was, uh, it was, what was it called? It was a spider. The car was called a spider. He said, it's going to have a spoiler on it. It's going to have dual exhaust. I'm going to put some subs in the back. I'm going to put some spinners on the wheels because spinners were cool back then, but they're not now. So if you have them, anyway. So he said, I'm going to do all this. It's going to be souped up and all this. And then I had another buddy over here. We'll call him Josh because that was his name. Josh said, well, I'm going to get me a Ford F-150 like my dad, and I'm going to put some mud tires on it, and I'm going to put some subs in the bed of that truck, and I'm going to do this and this and this. And I'm over here in the middle, and I was like, God, I just want an engine and four wheels that runs and it, it has air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. That's what I want. And so a lady in our church came, her husband had passed, and she came to my dad and she said, she said, Brother Hopper, she said, uh, we'll call her Sister Lovins because that was her name, or, or is her name. She still is living. Um, but her husband had passed, Brother Lovins. And she said, Brother Lovins, you know, passed away. And, and I know Austin's getting ready to get a new car. And, 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 and he would have wanted Austin to have his car. And I overheard this conversation. And I never really saw Brother Lovins' car because they always rode in Sister Lovins' car and, uh, on Sundays because she drove the nicer car. So they drove in her car on Sundays. And, and, and I, I was excited. I'm getting a car and, and, and she's going to give me Brother Lovin's car. I'm excited. And so I got home from school one day and my dad goes, hey, your, your car's in the garage. You know, we got it all cleaned up for you and everything. And my dad, I wish I had a picture of it to show y'all because I can't even describe how beautiful this car was. He opened the garage and it's sitting kind of parked at an angle, you know, with the tires turned a little bit, you know, to give that showroom feel. He opens the garage and here's set, are you ready for this? A 1984, beautiful, black with blue trim and beautiful shiny chrome tires, 1984 Suzuki Sidekick. Now for those of you that don't know what a Suzuki Sidekick is, it can fit probably right about here. On this platform, we could have drove it in this morning through the double doors and drove it right up here on the platform. It was about the size of a Geo Metro. I could touch every single window from the driver's seat of that car. I literally could touch every window. The defrost system in that, in that car was my breath and a rag. It had air conditioning. It did. It was called a 4x50. It was four windows down going 50 miles an hour. It did have heat though, and that heat worked year round. It was phenomenal. It didn't have a radio, but that's fine. I went to the Goodwill and I got myself a, a computer set of speakers with the subwoofer that used to, you know, you used, used to put the subwoofer under your desk and then the two big speakers. I mounted them on the dash of that car. I put the subwoofer down in the floor and I had a, a, a little converter to plug into. We called them cigarette lighters back in the day. Y'all know the little outlet. 
plugged that into it, and I had my little Walkman CD player that I Velcroed to the dash. The problem, though, is every time you hit a pothole, not even a pothole, you could go over a dime and tell if it was heads or tails. Anytime you did that, the CD would skip. But this was the greatest car I ever owned. And Sister Lovins said, I want to give you this. I said, Sister Lovins, I can't just take it. i got to buy it. She goes, give me whatever's in your pocket. I reached in. I had some lint, two quarters, and a dollar. And I bought that car for $1.50. And that was the greatest car I have ever owned in my life. I tell y'all what, that car had been everywhere. That, that car had been in the river up at the campground. It had been through the woods up there. I drove it. And I drove that car to, I, we had a, a church banquet one night. And I went and picked up my date in that car. And you knew we were coming because there was no muffler on it. And it was... But I took care of that baby. I called her Susie. She was Susie the Suzuki. And Susie was taken care of. I took care of Susie all that I could. And what happened is, is my dad began to see, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have such awesome parents, and, and, and they were so great to do this. I drove that car for two years. I took care of it. I filled it up with gas. I changed the oil. I knew how, I learned how to change the oil in that car because nobody else in town would do it. But I changed the oil in that car. I made sure the tires were always rotated and balanced, and I kept it vacuumed, even though one of the floors, you could put your foot right through it like a Flintstone car. It was so rusted out. But I took care of that car, and God blessed me with a brand new car that my parents had bought me. What they did is they saw the faithfulness that I had towards that car. And they said, well, he's done a good job taking care of this. We will now take care of it. Well, it was a new used car. And it was a PT Cruiser, which isn't too bad. It's not a big step up from the Suzuki sidekick. Some of y'all are laughing at me right now about my, my PT Cruiser. I did. I did. I had a PT Cruiser. But what I've learned is that God began to entrust me out of that PT Cruiser and put me in another car. And it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that I actually had a car payment. I never knew what that felt like. Because every car that I, ever, that I ever had was a new used car that was either given to me, gifted to me, or I was able to pay cash for. And, and, and God has blessed us through these years. I drive a beautiful truck. My wife drives a beautiful car. And if you need a car today, we have a wonderful car salesman here that will sell you a beautiful car. If God has seen your faithfulness. Everything we have belongs to God. How we use what God has entrusted us is the responsibility of stewardship. Number three, if God is the owner, then we don't give him and we don't give back to him, then we become robbers. I remember the first time I taught about giving in this church, right after service, uh, and, and I had only been here maybe about, he's already laughing, he knows. I'd only been here about a month and a half, and I didn't know everybody. But after church, I'm talking over here, and I feel this hand just grip down on my shoulder, and I'm about put me through that concrete down there. And he said, Pastor, I said, I turned around, I said, yes. And uh, it was Brother Jack. And Brother Jack said, Pastor, you didn't teach everything right in that giving. And I thought, oh no, a church full of people that's telling the pastor he didn't do anything right. Awesome. And I, but I listened to Brother Jack. I said, what do you mean? He goes, everything we have is already God's. And if we don't give back to him, we are robbers. The Bible calls us robbers if we don't give back to him what is his. And I felt, I mean, Brother Jack's not too much taller than me, but at that time, I felt like I was about Jace's size, looking up to him. I said, Brother Jack, you're exactly right. I'm not forgetting it today. God calls us robbers if we don't give him back what is his. He's given it to us. He's entrusted us. He said, will a man rob God? You have robbed me. 
Failure to tithe brings insult and indignation to your provider. And it's like saying, well, God, I don't trust you with my finances. We have to have faith in Christ with our finances. It's so simple. When you give, God blesses. When you don't give, God finds another way. We cannot rub God. Number four, we need to give God to God because he has commanded us to give. In Malachi 3 and 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Another passage from Leviticus says, all the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It is clear that God has commanded tithing. One-tenth of all your income to the Lord. And God accused the people of robbing him. When they said, how? He said, in your tithes and your offerings. Then he commanded the people to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which was his house. The purpose there would be the sufficiency in God's house. So we give because he has commanded. The fifth reason is we give because of the great need. The work of God in the church depends on the tithe. It depends on the offering. God has chosen to tie his work to the faithfulness of his people. In order for the church to be blessed and enabled to carry out his work, we must all tithe. And this is, I want to share this with you. Many people have asked, they said, Pastor, where does the money all go when it comes in? This is the first thing it goes to. This is what it takes for a year for us to keep our doors open. And this is the big stuff. There's some little things here and there. But our utilities average out to about $26,000 a year. That's for our, our electricity, our gas. And we have, we have water that's on a well, but we have to take care of the water. We have to, to, to put stuff in the water. And the state requires us some different things. So utilities is right around $26,000. Repairs throughout the building throughout the year, just different things here and there that, that we have to do. A lighting fixture may go out or, or a toilet may go out or something along those lines. It costs us right around $6,000 a year. Supplies for, for the bathroom, for, for the office complex, for, for uh, different things for, for parties and, and dinners, different things like that, $7,100. And then our insurance to keep our property insurance to make sure that we... we if something happens, we're going to be taken care of is around $15,000 a year. And these are just the basics that totals out to around $54,000 a year. That's the bottom line of what we need to keep our church running every week for a year. Did I have another slide after that? Was it the missions slide? Oh, our projects for this year. So there are some things that have to be done. And one thing on there that doesn't have to be done, but we want to get it done. We have three air conditioning units that have to be replaced by the summer. One of them is for our children's church area. They went this past summer, and about two weeks into the summer, the air conditioner just completely gave out. And I thank God that we didn't have a, a, a heat wave throughout the summer. It was bearable, but it was still hot upstairs. So we need to replace the air conditioning unit for that. And then we have two units in the lighthouse room and in the foyer over there that need to be replaced. We have no air conditioning in our lighthouse room. We have heat, but we have no air conditioning over there. Our gym roof has taken a really bad hit over the past few weeks and months with all the storms that we've had. We have turned this into the insurance. Back in September, we turned this into the insurance, and we still have not heard anything back from them. And if they deny our claim, we're looking at $30,000 to replace our gym roof. Our gutter system all around the entire church has to be replaced, and that's around $3,000. We'd like to paint the foyer, this hallway here, the main foyer there. What you see out there is just primer, and it really does need to be painted. That's around $3,500, but that's, a, that's, a, that's, not a, that's not a need, that's a want. 
and then we have two doors on our daycare, Lighthouse Christian Child Care, two exterior doors. They've actually already been purchased, but we've got to pay for them. Those are $2,500. And so in total, the projects for this year are right around $54,000. You can see there now we're above $100,000 that we really need for, the next, for this year. We have to give so the work of the church can be done. What you see here is just for this building, just for our campus. We have to give in order for the church to be blessed. We are a blessing to our community, but our community doesn't want to use our building if we're not updated and if we're not a, a safe place for them. So we are exhorted to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. We want to be a blessing. We want our building to be a blessing. Number six, think of what could be accomplished if, we would, if everybody would, would give. This was our missions giving for the last year. And our benevolence giving to helping people out with different needs. Now we have a food bank that we... We, uh, we, we spent $2,000 in purchasing food last year, and we fed uh, somewhere between 275, 300 families. I wasn't sure what our final number was, but, but just only $2,000 was able to feed all of our families there. I do believe that we could do more with our food bank. But our benevolence giving, this is giving to help people with their, with their funerals, people that are connected to our church in one way or another, people that have needed, needed groceries that our food bank didn't have, different things like that, we gave $5,000. To our missionaries around the world that we support, we gave $7,200. To NAM, which is North American Missions, that is to the churches that we help support. Uh, in Niles, the, the Smith family, and Eastgate Church, and then in Washington, D.C., uh, Freedom Church, Pastor Jerry West and his family, we've given $4,800. And then city missions, what we've done here in our city, we gave $2,200 back into our city through our, our, our trunk or treat and through projects with our school system. We, we have taken time each year to show appreciation to our schools and we've done gifts for our, our schools to let them know that they are appreciated for our teachers, for some students. And, and so these are different things that we've done in missions, around $21,000 or so. Just think, though, if everybody gave, how much more we could give into our city. I, I, I see that our city is, is one of the lowest missions that we've given to and that needs to change. You say, well, Pastor, that change starts with you. It does start with me. And that is our mission for this year is we are going to give more back to our city this year. When you give, it goes right back out. We don't, this isn't some kind of reservoir that you give and we just hoard it all up and we store as much as we can. You give, it goes right back out. We want to be involved in our community. Think of the support that we could give to, to more than just two missionaries around the world. The extra money that would be available for our local outreach. Buildings for small churches that we could help refurbish and, and that need improvements. Or more money to be made to reach our poor and our hungry. Or channeled through agencies and ministries that are worthy. Money to help free up struggling churches, get on their feet. And, and, and this is what we want to do in our missions. We give because of our mission. We should give because of the promises of God. Our text in verse 10 says, Prove or test me, says the Lord of hosts, and if I will not open through the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing till it overflows. I love testing the Lord. I give without expecting a blessing. I know He's going to do it. I give because that's what we're commanded to do and that's because I, what I want to do. But I say, alright God, I'm going to give here. I'm going to sacrificially give and I'm going to test you. I'm going to put your word to the test. And every time we have done it, He has come back and He has blessed us beyond what we could. I, 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 growing up, I always thought He's going to give it back to me in cash. 
And I was, in my, I was in my early 20s when I was talking with my father one day and I said, you know, I'm just giving but I'm not seeing it. And he goes, what about that car that somebody gave you? Oh, yeah, that's right. What about that down payment for a house that somebody gave you? What about that unexpected inheritance that you got from your great-grandmother? What about this and what about that? What about this? You see, we always think that our blessings are going to come back in the same way that we gave it. But that's not what God always does. Sometimes it's through our health. Sometimes it's through the most uh, uh, obscure thing that you would ever, ever see. You could have gave something months ago and you'll go to lunch today and somebody pick up your meal. God says, prove to me. And this is the only place in the Bible where he says, prove me or test me. We have his permission to put him to the test. Luke 6, he tells us, give and it will give him back unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. And so the barns will be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst with new wine. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. God has committed himself to bless you. And God will keep this promise to you if you will be faithful and obedient in the matter of giving. And reason number eight, and I'll tell you, we're coming in for a landing. I know I've taught a long time today, but we're coming in for the landing. We should give because of our gratitude for all that the Lord has done for us. He has blessed us beyond what we deserve. And because of all that he has done for us, we can give out of a heart full of love for him. We give not because now we are commanded to, but because we want to. Somebody said one time, they said, I love you because the Bible says I have to. There's a difference between you feeling the love because somebody has to love you or feeling the love because they want to love you. There's a difference when you can give out of the abundance of your heart. And God says, give cheerfully. When we can give cheerfully, he will bless us. We give because we want to. This is the best and highest motivation for Christian giving. We give because we love Jesus. It's not really a very large thing considering what he's done for us. All right, pastor. So you've talked about all the, the, the why we should give. Where and when should we give it? Well, to whom is the tithe due? It's due to the Lord. We tithe to God. But how do we do that? We do it right here. There's a God-ordained agency which enables us to, be do, to do that, and it's called the church. I've already stated the verse, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says, Upon the first day of the week, this is when you are to give. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Some of you that give online, you give on Fridays when you get paid. That's fine, too. Paul tells us the first day of the week. It's a good reminder. You don't have to give on Sunday. You can give any time, but... But when we come together, we should be able to give. Two things are very clear. The first is the win of giving. It's to be on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. We worship on the first day, the day of the resurrection. The church calls it the Lord's Day. And then the win. Secondly, the win is so clear. When Christians are to be on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, in the house of the Lord, meeting together on the Lord's Day. In other words, tithing is an act of worship. When we come together, many of you, uh, maybe you grew up like I did at the offering time when we gave. We had an offering song that we did when we would give in the offering. And, and, and growing up and, and playing on the, 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 the praise team and different things, 
Sometimes it was like the transition song when the choir would come up to the choir loft or, or when, when the kids would go out to, to kids' church. or It was just a transition song. It was just mood music to give cheerfully. But it should be an act of worship. And so if you'll notice now that when we come to give, we give, but then we continue to worship. We continue to praise God. We continue to worship because that is what it is. It's an act of worship. <coughs> Excuse me. And these are the results when you are faithful. He said, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. As I close today, I want to tell you about a time that, or, or an article that I read of 10 reasons why I give and why I tithe. Number one, I tithe because I love God. I recognize Him as the eternal one who created the universe and all that's in it. He is the only one qualified to know what is best for me. Number two, I tithe because of what God has done for me. He gave His only begotten Son. He saved my soul from destruction and blesses me with possessions. And in Malachi 3, He said, Prove me, I have, and He has proved Himself faithful. The third reason is I tithe because it is God's plan of financing His kingdom. He said the tithe is holy unto the Lord. It is not only holy unto Him, but it belongs wholly unto Him. Number four, I tithe because tithing brings me joy. The knowledge of doing God's will in this matter brings peace of mind and joy in my heart. Number five, I tithe because my church needs it. Jesus emphasized the church, therefore I am to be church-minded also. I may not be able to go to the missions field, but I can give to the missions field. Number six, I tithe because lost souls need the gospel. People will be reached and saved as God. People bring the, pe- bring the tithe into the storehouse. Number seven, I tithe because I desire God's blessings. God blesses the 90% after the 10 that I give. He promised to pour out a blessing and I receive blessings from Him beyond the financial. Number eight, I tithe because I want to reap bountifully. A man reaps what he sows. Number nine, I tithe to safeguard my treasure. The scripture says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves break through and steal, but safeguard your treasure in heaven. And number 10, I tithe because I do not want to be a robber because God had said people rob him when they withhold the tithe and the offering. Malachi 3 and 8 through 12 gives us four promises of God to the tither. He says, I will promise. I will open the floodgates of heaven. I will pour out blessings. I will place a shield of protection over you. And I will make you fruitful. (coughs) Excuse me, let's stand together today. Ushers, you can come today. This is how we're going to close out our service. This act of worship by giving of our tithe and our offering. Ushers, you may come. I heard the story of a rich man that died and at his funeral someone leaned over to his friend and he said, so how much did this guy leave behind? And the other guy replied to him, he said he left everything. Everything? What do you mean he left everything that he owned? He left it to his kids? He left it here? He goes, he left everything. And he said, and when you die, you also will leave everything. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I, I won't leave everything. I'll, I'll have some things stored up for, for this person and for this person. I, I'm not leaving everything here. He goes, you will leave everything because money may buy you medicine, but it won't buy you health. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Money could buy you a companion, but not a real friend. Money can buy you entertainment, but it can't buy you joy. Money can buy you business, but it can't buy you integrity. Money, money can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you a good night's sleep. <clears throat> Excuse me, money can buy you a crucifix, but it can't buy you a savior. And money can buy you a good life but it can't buy you eternal life. When you are faithful to God, He will be faithful to you. We're going to pray over this offering and we're going to pray over our tithes today. And, and after you give, I don't want you just to give and walk out, but, but after you give, we're going to worship just for a couple of minutes and then we'll dismiss for the day. And if you don't feel comfortable coming here to the front, you can give on your way out the door. There's offering boxes there, or you can give online, give through the app. But we're going to worship together as our final act of worship today will be to give the Lord what is His. Lords, we thank you for this opportunity to give today. We thank you for bringing us together into your house and giving us the opportunity to worship you freely, to worship you in a free place and in a free country. We thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. I ask today, Lord, that as we give, we will give out of the abundance of our heart. We will give freely and lovingly and cheerfully, not because we are commanded to, but because we want to. Lord, I thank you for those that have to give in this place, for the blessings you've given them, the jobs that you've given them, the inheritances you've given them, the unexpected giving of checks and, and different things of income. Lord, those that don't have to give today, I pray that they would be able to find a way to give, to be a part of the blessings of the church, but more importantly, to receive your blessings, for them to experience your blessings. I thank you today for what you are going to do with this offering, what you're going to do with this tithe, and what you are going to do through your work and through your kingdom. We bless your name today, and we bring this offering unto you in Jesus' name, amen. Come and give today as the Lord has blessed you. And let's worship together. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. Will your streams of abundance flow? Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Come on, let's worship him now. And every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise and when the darkness closes in lord 
still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Mm, yes, Lord. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering though there's pain in the offering blessed be your name every blessing and every blessing you pour out I'll, I'll turn back to praise and when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious. Blessed be your name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Oh, blessed be the name. Your glorious name. You give and take away. Hallelujah, come on, say it. You give and take away. You give and take away. But my heart, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be 